1: Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend the next hour talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always email us to ask us your questions at letstalktorah at gmail.com. And this week, instead of a phone conversation, we actually brought my friend in studio. We are joined by Sam Rosenberg one of his past projects. He was a past president of Yad Ezra. We'll talk about his upcoming projects. Sam, how are you today?
2: I'm great, thank you, Robert.
1: Hi, oh, and I hear you better when you're not with the headphones than my headphones. Oh, you're good. I don't hear I'm myself good. so good. Oh, you're excellent. But it's something on my sound, but we'll figure that out later. Anyways, so we were talking before. You've uh, been on the show before. You're involved in all kinds of uh, charitable projects. We said you were past president of, uh, of Yad Ezra. Um, what are you working on now? What, pro- what projects are keeping you busy?
2: In the nonprofit world, I'm currently on the board of uh, Forgotten Harvest. Who is, there is a Michigan-based uh, food rescue operation that provides food to roughly 170,000 individuals throughout the Met- Detroit metro area, uh, getting involved in its operations. and you know, It's only been about a year and a half, so I'm just getting my feet wet, so to speak i uh, also working on uh, starting up a new, it's new for Detroit, a charity called Share Detroit. Uh, we're still not up and running, but it's pretty much a marketplace where people who want to do good can align their efforts, their giving with their organizations throughout the detroit Metro area based on their preferences. Uh, it's a marketplace that matches uh, individual preferences with goals and, char- and, and characteristics of uh, all nonprofits in the Detroit Metro. Uh, for nonprofits, it will be uh, uh, pretty much a-, a free listing, if you want to use the term, where individuals can go and find uh, uh, food rescue operation within the city limits, then that's what they want to support. They can provide financial help, they can volunteer there, or they can provide uh, goods and services that the organization is looking for. that They can post online pretty much.
1: Now, do, are you going to interview these people to make sure that they're a safe fit for the organization or that you're not getting involved in?
2: We're not getting involved with interviewing anyone. They have to be qualified, 501c3s. Uh, they have to be in business for at least a year or two. Uh, there, there is a vetting criteria, but it's really uh, for all charitable organizations um, are, should belong to it because there's no cost to the organization to belong to it. There's no cost for the individuals. We don't, uh, we don't charge a tolling fee, so if you were to make a donation to you at Ezra, for example, if, if you make a $100 donation, they get $100. Um, we fund ourselves through um, independent funding sources that, where people want to make their money multiply. Uh, we believe that for every dollar that we will raise to operate Share Detroit, uh, it will contribute roughly $5 into the marketplace. Uh, primary, primarily just by better alignment between individual preferences and clear better understanding of what organizations do and what they need.
1: Right. I was actually wondering on the volunteer side. In other words, if I wanted to volunteer and I'm looking for a place to volunteer, are you going to vet me? To make sure I'm a safe no. person? No. no. The,
2: the organizations. What we're going to do is provide. It's I want Maybe like a dating site, one can say, that it's really up to the individual to provide the background check and everything else to make sure it fits. And the volunteering, the, value, the, the largest value we would add is that currently if you love Yad and you're going to volunteer there, you will do what Yad needs you to do, uh, which is sorts groceries, uh, work on a line, that type of stuff. But if you happen to be an attorney or a doctor, you, know, you, you you could volunteer your professional time in a much more effective manner, and what we're trying to do is align organizations that file income taxes for uh, needy individuals where accountants can volunteer their time, where lawyers and doctors can volunteer their time that's best aligned with their profession and get the greater value for the buck for their organization type of stuff.
1: So it'd be like a place where lawyers will post, I'm looking to volunteer, and the organizations will Organizations will
2: post that we need lawyers, and if a lawyer happens to browse, they will say, here's who needs it, and if there's a variety of different organizations... Who do, who do they align closer with? If it's religious base, or is there a religious uh, match? Uh, if it's a geographic, is a geographic match? There could be a lot of different reasons why one would pick one organization over the other to support, and that's what we're trying to provide. The best language I can find is a marketplace where people, where people and organizations can find the best match for each other benefiting the community. Uh Currently, it's already available in Charlotte and and Omaha, and one can go look up ShareCharlotte.org or ShareOmaha.org, and they see how that works, and we'll have the same ShareDetroit.org.
1: So how did you find this organization, are you creating it?
2: ShareDetroit we're we're creating. The model itself was based on the ShareGood platform out of Charlotte, actually, and it was just a grassroots efforts of trying to bring community together. And slowly it evolved, and it's sort of a franchise model. It's I don't, it, there is no franchise, there is no anything except the platform is hosted by the same uh, software company. Yeah, so we were involved with the software itself, the the backend platform.
1: Right. So for you, this is what you do when it comes to IT and right. and and platforms and stuff. That's really up your line of work.
2: It, it, so both do good is something that I I've been passionate about for many years now, and it does allow my technological aptitude to sort of move forward
1: right it's like right in line in other words organizations will say we need accountants we need doctors we need volunteers or shared detroit says we need somebody to run our computer system and our web page to make sure that it's working so we can do what we're trying to do this matching
2: mission right
1: very very cool how did you find the people that wanted to do this they uh,
2: it's, it, they, neither. It's uh, relationships that we have had for many years, and there are some people within them, our circle of friends and 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 coworkers that find that doing good or working in a nonprofit environment is something that really is, you know brings uh, tr- true to them. So we leverage them appropriately.
1: Wow! Cool. Are you going to help people find board members or that's...
2: We, we will. We're going to approach the, the a number of uh, charitable organizations, foundations, and we're going to invite some of them who want to participate in actually forming this vision for Detroit. We're going to invite them to participate in the governance or be on the board. Of your, of your, uh, share, of your share, Detroit. share Detroit. Yeah, Share Detroit is a completely separate, independent 501c3 uh, that that is whose mission is to elevate the amount of giving that's given within the community through dollars, volunteer hours, and uh, donate, donations in kind with goods. So how are people gonna find out that you exist? Various marketing efforts, you know, there's a lot of things around social media and uh, marketing and advertising and, and and finding corporate partners and sponsors. Uh, Frankly, saying that marketing and business development is not something I'm very comfortable with. So I have other people in the organization that understand social media and everything else and how to drive traffic to the website type of stuff.
1: Very cool. And what are you hoping that they that you actually launch? Uh,
2: Our official goal is uh, end of March, beginning of April. Oh, so sooner it's very soon. Very soon. Hopefully, we'll get our federal recognition by that time. We're about two months after we file, so it takes about six months to get it back. And uh, we have uh, a lot of uh, founders, potential funders identified to launch the organization. The platform is in place. We have people in place to do it. We're just finalizing everything we need to do.
1: Very cool. Very cool. So I told you earlier, you sent me an email about... um topics that, that, are, that you're passionate about. And, um, and education came up, and I told you it has a connection to this week's Torah portion, but I'll go backwards. First, we'll talk about the educational aspect, and then I'll show you, I hope, in a, in a fascinating way, exactly how it ties in to this week's Torah portion. So, you haven't been here for a while. We talked last time you were here where your daughters will go for high school. You have two daughters that are now in eighth grade in Hillel. Correct. And you you weren't sure, you and your wife were not sure what is the next step for these two daughters. I can't remember their names. Remind me of their names.
2: Rosie and Jenny.
1: Rosie and Jenny. So, originally, I think it was public school, whether well, it was... Uh, um, West Bloomfield, whatever. But times have changed and ideas have changed. Where are you now looking to send your two daughters?
2: The last the last time we spoke, we we weren't sure where the girls are going to end up going to high school, but we were sure they were not going to continue in a religious school. Um, and that was and this a... why
1: was that, by the way, at least a, a year ago? Why was it for sure they weren't going to religious or well, a Jewish bo- school?
2: B- both my wife and I we value ex. education excellence. Uh, We both come from former Soviet Union where uh, despite of all the negative things that it's famous for, one thing that it did provide is excellent uh, uh, basic education, uh, basic sciences, history, literature, those type of topics. And uh, as many immigrants from the former Soviet Union, we believe that it is very hard to match education in the United States, uh, especially in the public school environment. So when we made the choice of sending the kids to Hillel, we sort of accepted the religious influence of that school as a compromise without understanding the full value of what it would bring. As nine years that the girls been going to that school, we, we sort of not just ad, ad accepted or tolerated, we've embraced the Jewish influence of that school because we've learned to understand that for girls to grow up to be Jews, within the United States, it won't be the same as when we were growing up, where our Jewish identity was formed through being discriminated. Uh, Here, that's not going to happen, at least not to the extent that it will help them form who they are. So the Jewish education allowed us to make sure that the girls grew up being proud of being Jewish. Uh, However, with time, we felt, you know, that's enough. They're already Jewish. They know who they are. Now let's concentrate on on science and math and... Uh, not just math, but more advanced math and more advanced sciences, so they can really have a head up and be very competitive when it comes to colleges and professional lives. Um, And I think with time, we have accepted that even Jewish learning helped them accomplish that. It helped them be more competitive. It helped them to use logic and, and common sense and... The study of history and, and application of certain principles to daily life—Jewish principles to daily life.
1: That's. I'm going to pause you on that one. Sure. So, their Jewish studies finding not only did you want your daughters to find out who they are by being in a Jewish environment in a holiday school, but you, you soon discovered that their Jewish studies were actually helping develop their thought process, who they were, not just who they are, but an, an actual studying. How did that happen, or what happened?
2: Well, we just observed their presentation skills. We've observed their debate skills. We've observed their paper uh, essay writing skills. And what we realized, I mean, we, we knew it somewhere, but we never applied it to our specific girls, is that learning is learning. It really doesn't matter to some extent, whether it's Jewish studies or... Or some other studies, the, the, and, and what we found is that thousands of years of culture pays off. There, you know, trial and error, trial and error, evolutionary cycle kicks in, and we, finally, what we're learning actually makes sense. And uh, time-proven methods do do work. Um, so, it, as we start looking at schools, we looked at uh, we continue to look at private schools, and we looked at Cranbrook, and we looked at Country Day, and we've looked at. International Academy, and and, uh, hesitantly, because of some of the recommendations from Hillel's teachers, we actually look at Frankel jewish Academy, and and historically, if one was to speak to my wife two years ago, she would never consider it to be an option for the girls. Now that's her primary choice. And primary choice. And uh, so right now it's between Kremberg and uh, FJA. We're still struggling because, you know, the size of the FGA is somewhat uh, could be viewed as a disadvantage, uh, but it could also be viewed as an advantage. So we haven't made up our mind, but it is an amazing experience to see our, how we changed our opinion and our mindset and our preferences over the last couple of years and embracing things that we were very skeptical about just as recently as three, four years ago. Um, And
1: you're mainly skeptical because you felt
2: that a Jewish school wouldn't have the ability to give a high-level education? We were skeptical that if there's only so many hours in the day and if you dedicate 10% of them or 20% of them to Jewish studies, that means you have to take it away from something else. So in a way, we're making the kids less competitive when it comes to school. And again, we're a little paranoid and, and maybe abnormal, when it comes to valuing education to the extent that we do, but we also understand that this country is full of immigrants who have even greater uh, emphasis on education and the even greater level of competitive nature from Asia and from India and from uh, although both are Asia, but and and the comp- and the kids not only compete with the average. Third fourth generation American kids, but also first generation kids of of people coming from those parts of the world so it doesn't mean that we want them to have both kids to be professors or what or whatever, but we want them to have the ability to achieve whatever goals they set for themselves, and we want to be proud of those goals so
1: so all things being even if Educationally, because their brains are in gear, which is what we like to say, that if all day long they're studying, and their brains are actually in gear, would you prefer them going to a Jewish school or it, it doesn't matter at all?
2: It's, it's, it, I would prefer them.
1: You know, we're getting the same education, they're going to be able to go to the same college, their brains will develop exactly the way you want. Would you prefer that they be in a Jewish school or it doesn't really matter?
2: Right now, I would prefer them to go to a Jewish school for reasons that I'm not very proud of. Primarily because I want them to go on to college armed with, the, with this oh. none of this liberal anti-Zionist uh, BDA, BDS, BDS, BDS watch, yeah. and all that other stuff. So I, the, what Jewish school will give them that no other school will, unless we do it at home, is not just being proud of being Jewish, but also being educated about what it means to be Jew in a modern age. Um, so from that perspective, that's, that, that's the primary driver where I think a the, the continuing Jewish high school is something that I would prefer.
1: Ha, amazing. We should tell Farber that you would be, well, first you have to send your children there, <laughs> but you will be an amazing advertisement for what I actually believe... Is what they're looking for, Is that's that's exactly but what I'm
2: they're. But I'm not talking Frankel Jewish Academy. not I Farber. Saying? You said Farber. I said Farber. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I meant Farber. If, if, if we were more observant, I would probably have the same attitude about Farber. we just it's the level of observance. would be uncomfortable for us. Right,
1: right, right, right. I got my my Fs confused. That's okay. And here comes my music, and I didn't even have a chance to explain what your whole conversation has to do with this week's story portion. So I tell you what. We're going to be taking a quick break, when we come back I'm going to tie it into this week's Torah portion and we'll continue the conversation. You're listening to by 2 and Let's Talk Torah and we're going to be right back. Hey,
0: how are you? I'm Gerald Valley, and I want to invite you to listen, watch, share my new show, The Drop In. It is going to cover skate, music, culture, actually all sports. I have some great guests lined up and it's to inspire and motivate people to make the most of this life we have. Check out the inspiration, the stoke, and the life of the Drop-In with Gerald Valley. I'll tell you what happened. Get Morty! I got the sauce! We're at C2E2 with the legendary Chris Claremont.
1: Greetings, my fellow geeks. My name is Jordan
0: Travillion, and this is Get It to the Geeks. We are here with David Yost, the original Blue Power Ranger.
1: Nobody right. promised you when you bought the thing on PS4 that you could play it on Switch. But
0: your, your excuse is garbage. I'm gonna pull out my crossbow. All right, sweet chainmail armor. Let's see what you got. <laughs>
2: Welcome back to Pop That Culture. That's the horror movie. (laughs) Bury the phone in the fat cemetery. It's got a (laughs) card.
0: What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to the drop-in today. Then you get off your couch and you make life happen. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Greg Russell
2: Movie Show. When I have a couple cocktails, everything's funnier.
0: (laughs) I still just love that line. Producer, director, how did this whole thing come about for you?
1: And we're back. And I am having such a good time talking to Sam in between the break. That's why I wanted the break, so I'd have more time to talk to Sam. But, so, now that we've heard, really, I think, a, 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 just a, a good way of looking at, at Jewish education. It's not just because we're going ahead and, and we want our kids to have a religious education also. But it's really it's really intertwined in everything that you want your daughters to become. So I told you it connects to this week's Torah portion. So this week's Torah portion is the end of the book of Genesis. And this is the end of the first book. The first book, uh, Nachmanis explains, is like the creation of the world. And it's like the beginning of getting the Jewish people ready. But the creation of the Jewish people really begins when they go down to Egypt and they're slaves for 210 years and they, the plagues and Moses brings them out. But now Jacob is, has finally been with his family. He's finally been able to just sit back and not be attacked on all sides from brothers and in-laws and, and children being kidnapped. He Finally, his life is coming together. He has 17 years in Egypt to, I guess, sit back and drink his pina colada, if that's what he enjoyed. So, But he's getting older, and he knows that he doesn't have too much time left. So the beginning of the Torah portion, he calls um, he calls in Joseph. He tells Joseph where he wants to be buried, and Joseph has to get him out of Egypt. Then right away, right after that, Joseph gets a message: "Your father is sick." So he takes his two sons with him. Joseph has two sons: one is Ephraim, one is Manasseh. Manasseh is the firstborn, which maybe we'll talk about. Ephraim is the second one. It would seem Manasseh has been trained. To, uh, to work with the government, like his father runs the country, so Menashe is being groomed to take over for Joseph to run the country once Joseph is gone, while Ephraim, it seems, studies with his grandfather. That's what it seems. Joseph wants a private blessing for his two children. And we'll get into that blessing and, and how it happened and what happened, some interesting um, nuances that took place. But um, one of the blessings that Jacob gives to these two children. And interestingly enough, he gives the blessings at the same time. As the 12 tribes, Joseph and his brothers, will each get an individual blessing, like tailor-made. While these two children are actually getting identical blessings at the same time, they each have one hand of their grandfather on top instead of Jacob taking each one and putting both hands and blessing each one individually, even with the same words. Instead, it is a it is a singular blessing. So one of the things he says, uh, it, children say it, and uh, certainly in Orthodox homes, um, it's a it's a blessing that children would receive, um, and and they they actually would say it at night before they go to sleep. So in Hebrew, it's Hamalach Osi, the angel who, who protected me, me Korah, from all bad, Yevarech Es He should bless the children, and this is what I'm looking for, Vikare Vahem Shemi. And he, whether he being God, he being the angel, should call in them, meaning in these children, my name, Jacob's name. So Jacob is saying that I want these children who were not brought up in Jacob's house because they were born in Egypt while, after Joseph had been kidnapped. And then he's well, not really kidnapped, but he was sold as a slave down to Egypt. And he was a slave for 12 years. And then eventually he takes over the country, which is a different story, a different week, right? Can't do all the stories at once. And Jacob gets, uh, Joseph gets married as children. And then nine years later is when the family comes down. So these children are really raised in an Egyptian culture, away from their father, a whole different kind of lifestyle which we touched on, but that's not what I was looking for. I could do better than that for a connection. It's, I could say, well, you know, it's a connection. You were raised in Russia, and you moved to America, and it's a different culture, and your children were raised in a different culture, but I could do better than that, and we will do better than that. So what does it mean, he will call in them by name? So it means like this. It means when people will see this Ephraim and Manasseh, these children or their children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren, walking down the street... Will people say, wow, what amazing children. Their father must be very proud. And I'll take it a step further. Will people say these are children and grandchildren of Jacob? Or will they say they're just like everybody else? So Jacob's blessing to his, to his grandchildren is, I want people to say, you are my grandchildren. That is, I want to be proud that you are my grandchildren. So, and I think that's what's been going on when, when you're discussing the importance of a Jewish education for your daughters, that if they would just go to a we we'll call it public school, private school doesn't matter, um, and they would just become part of the culture. When I grew up, we called it the melting pot in New York. That's how my social studies books referred to it. They're just part of the new American culture and nothing Jewish about them. Then, then there's, yeah, their parents are very good and their parents are wonderful and they raised wonderful children, but nothing Jewish about them. And that Jewish identity that you want your children to have, and now not only Jewish identity, but lots more Jewish knowledge than you ever had. <laughs> we discussed if, you know, if your daughters have what to teach you, which is a beautiful thing, right? So that's that's where I think the connection to the Torah portion is, that 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 you've broadened your ideas of what's good for your children and your children have taken to it and hopefully they'll want to take to continue their Jewish education look that's my own personal hope <laughs> what they will do I'm sure is their decision your decision your wife's decision but that's what that that's as as parents if we want our children to have a Jewish identity Jacob wants his grandchildren to relate to Jacob the grandfather he wants them to be like him and you want your daughters to be like you. Hopefully you want them to be better than you, right? Even, yeah. e- understand what Jewish identity and, and what it means to be Jewish in America, what that means. So they're going to get that. They're going to have a better chance. And I think that's what you and your wife are coming to the conclusion. As long as the education is what you're satisfied with or ecstatic about, whichever word you choose to, uh, to use. But that I thought was, a, was an interesting connection to this week's Torah portion. So I'm getting a a not a shrug but I'm getting a no, smile. No, 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 That's right, yes. pretty good. You, that you not it's expect. A, it's
2: not even a stretch. It's uh it's actually quite clear connection. Pretty good connection. Yeah.
1: Now, here's another fascinating thing uh, with two daughters they're twins, right? Twins. Correct. Okay. It, it not in modern America. Not in, in in well maybe in eastern cultures. But there is always a concept that the the older child, what we would call the firstborn, but doesn't have to only be the firstborn, but that oldest child was was looked at differently, was given different responsibilities, was uh, was going to be given more actually by the family. The firstborn was accepted to take over the role, the leadership of the family. You've heard of that concept before. Sure, yeah. Right, now these are not they're not your oldest, right? This, you have an oldest. No, older these son. are my youngest.
2: These I are have your two older kids, two older, older boys.
1: Kids. Right now, we, and then you have the games. You have these two. So, interesting, I have twins. Now, Ephraim and Manasseh, that we just discussed, were not twins. But what's fascinating is that in the blessing process, um, so they both come towards Jacob, and Manasseh, the older one, the firstborn, is actually on Jacob's right. And the younger one, Ephraim, is on his left. So, and we'll, that'll be our next part of the discussion. He's giving them a blessing together. He felt it was important that they get one blessing together, not two separate blessings. And it would make sense in those days that the firstborn is on the right, gets the right hand, because that has, that has more meaning for whatever reason. Yeah. And the left hand, is the one on the left side, is getting the lesser, again, whatever that means, lesser, of the, of the, of the power of this blessing. And Jacob goes ahead and he switches his hands so his right hand now goes on Ephraim. So the younger son is getting the more powerful hand, again whatever that means, and the older son is getting the left hand. But they don't switch spaces. In other words, Jacob seems to be saying, this firstborn stuff, forget about it. It is irrelevant who's older, who's born first as as far as Jacob's family. So as far as Jewish idea is concerned. This idea that because you're the oldest, you get first is irrelevant. Now, what's fascinating is throughout the Torah, there's been a group of, of brothers. And without fail, the firstborn is not the important one. <laughs> For example, okay, we'll go all the way back. You have Cain and Abel. So Cain is the old one. Abel's the young one. Okay, so Abel seems to be the better one, but his brother kills him. We'll forget about that story. I discuss that with twins and sisters, and we don't want to give them any ideas. But you have Abraham has two children. His oldest is Ishmael. His next son is Isaac, right? But who who is the focus of Abraham? The second son. Isaac has two children. He has Jacob and Esau. Esau is the older one. Who gets the focus to continue the tradition? Jacob. And Jacob wants to sort of put the cherry on top and say, I want this to be extremely clear that I could care less who is the older one. Yes, it's true in Jewish law that the firstborn gets a double portion. It is true. So for land issues and for inheritance issues, there is this concept that the oldest is going to get more. That is without a question. But that's it. There is nothing else that this concept of firstborn takes precedence. And with my 12 seconds left, or a little bit more, um, one more thing is, uh, is just to wrap it up. The reason he's giving them blessings together is he wants to make the point very clear. You are not individuals. You are family. And family has to remember that, yes, it's an older brother, a second brother, older sister, younger sister, but you're family. You're one you're, you're one unit, and by giving one group blessing we will bring that point across much better than doing it um, to each one individually. So our time flew. We are getting ready for our next segment. We're going to show some pictures, some stuff from Sam's wife that will blow you away. You're listening to Rabbi Tzu on Let's Talk Torah. We're going to be right back. Do you want to see things
0: like this?
2: Did you just say it, you died? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well. I mean, technically. Or maybe even something like this. We'll do nothing but destroy your corpses and burn them all for my dogs. Your dogs are gone. And sometimes, a little of this. We
2: need to have a talk.
0: (laughs) I take my axe and I smash it. No! (laughs) And check out Podquesters, the show where we tackle ghoulish goblins, fiendish foes, and dangerous drakes. Oh, like the singer? No, the dragon creature. Anyways, Podquesters, Fridays, only on
1: NewRadioMedia.com. Welcome back to Who's Got Chutzpah? I'm your host, Rabbi Tzwi Jacobson. And are you ready? Oh... Andy, what holiday is this associated with? Oh, boy. Uh... uh. Sukkot? I'm sorry. That's not the answer we were looking for. Whitney, for the win. Can you tell us which holiday is this? I know. Shavuot. No, I'm sorry. I've got the answer. Ta-da! What?! My show, Let's Talk Torah, where we talk Torah, holidays, faith, and all the things that help us live our life. That's Let's Talk Torah, Thursdays at 3 p.m. That's pretty good.
2: So we see a guy running down to first base and it's, it Hold turns into a crazy. hobble. Get yeah, umped. I mean, that's...
0: getting no, umped. That, that, that can't be the same guy. Can't be the same guy. Why are
1: we here? What makes a person truly good? For those answers, you're gonna have to take a philosophy class. But if you're more interested in who would win in a fight between R2-D2 and a
0: Dalek, watch Get It to the Geeks.
1: And we're back, and it's something a little different. We've, I and I do have artists from time to time. I've had whether they're painters or, or well, not sculptures. I've never done sculptures. I haven't gotten somebody to do that yet for me. Writers, authors, uh, different types of people, different talents. And your wife has a fascinating talent. She is a well, she is a doctor, but I guess in her. Uh, private time, spare time, when she feels like uh, globetrotting and checking out places in the world, she likes to take pictures. And she doesn't take pictures like, uh, like I take pictures on my, on my phone, right? She takes beautiful, beautiful pictures. So hopefully, because we can't see it, but hopefully um, they're going to go ahead and behind us we're going to see all those pictures. It could be they're going to take the whole screen and put up the pictures. They can do what we want. Um, but we're going to pause for a second. Um, I love everybody behind the glass, but I still hear you loud and clear in my mic. Okay, thanks. That was just to tell them that I love them. But <laughs> uh, and it was just an excuse. But in any case, so, um, so I just wanted to describe, so you want to talk about beauty. And I was, we always say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But you can look at certain kinds of pictures, and there is a beauty there. And, and it's an important thing. As God made a world, and he actually wants us to enjoy it. He wants us to enjoy with it. We taste, we smell, we hear, and we see. So as those pictures are slowly but surely going behind us, you told me there's four groups. I know we can't see them. Um, but the first group you told me is interesting enough. People think it's probably sites around the world. Um, where are those sites actually?
2: Northern Michigan. Just northern Michigan. Northern Mich- The first couple of pictures uh, show waterfalls and... Uh... They're in northern Michigan uh, in fall colors. Uh, actually, people from all over the world come to photograph northern Michigan. And most of us living here probably don't appreciate the beauty. And most of us don't see it in such a way. Most of us uh, see it in the cloudy and dreary days. And my wife found photographs uh, on a sunny day. And, and what we realize is our, as our kids grow up, because of population and because of variety of global changes and environmental changes and just... just the value of time, our kids may never be able to experience that, those views. So as she documents them, You know, it's, she's paranoid that the kids will not be able to even find them. So we try to duplicate those pictures and back them up and everything else to make sure that they never go away so the kids have a chance to enjoy this beauty.
1: Cool. do you take the kids to see to and point out to them what they're looking at so they should know how to see
2: we, we everywhere possible so she, she, my wife in fact right now she's in Ethiopia taking pictures <laughs> of Ethiopian tr- tribal uh, regions uh, so obviously we're not going to take the kids there right now and she's doing it with a small group of photographers and looking forward to seeing those images but uh, every where, where it's practical we take the kids to to Show them what it looks like in the real world.
1: Cool. And the next set of pictures you told me—I say I wrote down all my notes. Then you just took pictures of people. What does your wife want when she's looking at different types of people? And they're beautiful pictures. But what what are you looking for, or what do you want me to see? Is really a better question.
2: I first of all, I I am uh, I, I call I call it uh, challenged when it comes to colors or, or or beauty and things of that nature. I think what my wife tries to do, and I'm certainly not qualified to speak on her behalf. But there's unique beauty in every culture. So there's an image of a gentleman from India uh, that no one would consider beautiful, I would say. But he is a beautiful person that represents thousands of years of tradition in that region uh, where appearance is not as important. The state of mind is. Uh, The following picture is the same Beauty is expressed in Venice during the famous carnivals that are there. That's the longest continuous carnival, something in the neighborhood of 500 years that have been uh, people putting masks on and and demonstrating their ability, what they consider beautiful, or or their ideas of what they consider beautiful. And then there's a Japanese geisha girl that, uh, you know, that's certainly long tradition and culture and everything else. And all of these things are very different. And we're all, I think... I don't want to use the word blast, but we're all privileged to see it because how many of us actually have a chance to see it in real life and travel to all those different parts of the world? So my wife puts it on her website and everybody can welcome to enjoy them seeing those pictures.
1: Oh, so we can see these pictures on your wife's website. Yeah, it's
2: a public website.
1: So what's the name of that website?
2: It's triple w well, dot That's Rima R I R-I- M M A. R I R I M M.
1: M A, gotta get it right. R I M M A. G E S. G E S. dot com. dot com. R I M M A G E S. What does that stand for?
2: Rima is her first name. Oh, Rima's a name. Okay. Uh, And then also, if you put images, you misspelled images. Oh, I uh,
1: see. MAGES. Okay. Images with the
2: double M instead of a single M. So it's really
1: R images. But with a double M, because that way you get your wife's name. Correct. So I think I've said this enough times that if somebody wants to type into Google, they will find these pictures.
2: Correct. Or they can just put her name, Rima Images, and it will come up. Or Rima up. Images will also come, come up. Come up, yeah.
1: Very, very cool. And then you have those animals at the end. And the reason you threw those in?
2: They're Well, the definition of a family. So there, there, there's pictures of a bear family, a grizzly bear family, a polar bear family, a gorilla family. Uh, this is something that I, I just find fascinating That uh, it, and, and beautiful and rare. You know, who knows by the time our kids are our age, 30, 40 years from now, if anyone will see a polar bear. Uh, they're already, uh, you know, the, the polar cap. And I'm not an environmentalist in any way. I don't think humans have destroyed the world or anything of that nature. I think volcanoes do a lot more than humans can possibly do. And we live in a cycle where the world just turns. You know, We live through Ice Age, we'll probably have another one. But uh, it, 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 I think it's up to us to preserve the memory of what the world was like for our kids. And this is a way of doing it, so.
1: So, like all yes. good things, you know, I got to tie it in. Sure. Okay? And this is, what, this is like more fun for me to have a totally separate topic and then say, hey, that's right in my notes over here what I was going to talk about. Now, that's not exactly true, <laughs> but um, but I, I, I can twist it a little bit. But, anyways, you actually said three words yeah. that I, we well, said a lot of words, but three that I appreciated. One was time, one was tradition, one was family. And this week's Torah portion is, again, it's a lot about family. It is the end. In other words, Jacob has now come down to Egypt. He's brought his family with him. He has time to be with his family. And they're actually in a ghetto situation. At least for the first while, they're in a city called Goshen. Now, Joseph obviously is in the capital, and he's running the country. And I'm sure his son Manash is with him, learning the ropes. But for the most part, the, the, Jacob's family... Um, is creating their traditions, is creating at least the beginning. I know it's really Jewish culture and tradition has been an ongoing process, obviously, for the last couple thousand years. But they have the opportunity for this next group of years to only hang out in this area called Goshen, as long as they're in the area of Goshen, so the Egyptians are going to leave them alone. What's fascinating, and it's really next week's story portion, which I'll spend much more time next week on, is give it 50, 60, 70, 80 years. So Goshen is getting a little squashed. So not so much elbow room anymore. And like the Jewish people have done throughout the ages, we start in a ghetto and then we look outside the window and we say, I want to spread my wings. I want to go out. And they go out and they actually start to drop traditions, drop culture, almost drop family. And then we have all our anti-Semitic issues which is, it, it's almost, it, again, you don't have to agree with that, but it does seem to be in our commentaries in the next week's Torah portion that point out, even in the Torah portion, that's what seems to happen to us. That when we, when we think that we can escape our culture, we think we can escape our tradition, and we were talking about that before, That I can't, I can't remember the movie, but um, you said that, God, that the person in the movie um, who is playing God laughs at um, the person playing a modern-day Noah when he says, you know, I don't really have time in my plans. You know, your plans don't really work out. So good for me, God. I have my own plans. And God laughs, right? You have your plans. And God says, I have my plans. Let's see who wins. But that idea of creating culture and time and family um, is what's happening in this week's Torah portion. And, and to take it a step further, uh, Jacob actually wanted to reveal to his children when the Messiah would come. What would be the time, date, location? What would happen? And God took away that part of, the, of his uh, prophecy because God said it's not going to be healthy for us to be in a situation where we're suffering and, and we don't know the Messiah's not coming for 500 years. It's very easy to give up. Almost like psychologically we're better off not knowing. Knowing he's coming, not knowing when. So Jacob is ready to say, you know, this is when the Messiah's going to come and God pulls the rug out from and he forgets. So he wants to give the family... A piece of information what should you do to survive the long exiles that we've gone through and we're in the middle of one right now what should we do so the the language is hey asfu hey asfuh, is from the word, asaf. asaf means gather gather together in other words as long as you're gonna act together as brothers there's gonna be peace and love and friendship then life will be fantastic as soon as you fight with each other you're gonna have problems which really is amazing because, again, historically, whenever we fight with each other, we have problems. Whenever we become best friends, life is good, even in, in modern-day Israel. And they're not all best friends, put that in the nicest uh, terms, different factions, and their politics are like nobody's politics. But almost every single time that, there's, that the Arabs have attacked, all of a sudden, all these different fighters, and I don't like this one, and I don't like his color hat, and I don't like his color shirt, and I don't like his color shoes. All of a sudden, everybody's best friends, and we take care of ourselves, and life is good. It's amazing.
2: Rally around the flag.
1: But yeah, but that is yeah. that is really what, what seems to take place. I just thought that was an interesting um, just uh, take and I still have a minute and a half, I think, or two and a half to my next break. So I wanted to bring up another topic. I'm sure it'll take us into the next one. I read an, a fascinating article about anti-Semitism. You grew up, obviously, in Russia or in Ukraine. Your wife grew up in Russia, what's nowadays called Russia. And, um, and there was a lot of discrimination, a lot of anti-Semitism. We deal with different anti-Semitism. And over the last couple of weeks, um, there's been a lot of different, clear anti-Semitic um, Happenings, events. What's interesting is um, last week. Um, well, it was January first, so there was a gathering of Jews in MetLife Stadium.
2: Did you notice it in the news? I've, I've heard there were a number of gatherings. I yeah, think. there were was was no gatherings. In the Times Square. There was...
1: Yeah, because that was the that was the. I think you're t- talking about a different one, but here we go. That was that those who study, what's called the Dafyomi, those who do one folio of Talmud every day, so they completed the cycle on January 1st. Well, it was really completed on Saturday, but they made the party a few days earlier on January 1st. So, So I was reading a newspaper article, and I don't really like that newspaper particularly, but they had a good point. They said, you have supposedly 90,000 people in the stadium. I don't know how much MetLife holds, 80 something, a lot of people there. And, so, and who knows how many hundreds of thousands watching online. And yet all these big rabbis, one after another getting up and talking and whatever you wanted to discuss. And for the most part, no mention of anti-Semitism at all. So the, the author of this article says like what gives, like right now you're having all the stabbings in Muncie and shootings in Jersey City and you're just talking about Torah study. You're just talking about all these Jews studying Torah. And so the, the, the person in the article said that Ben there done that. In other words, this is not something new, unfortunately, to how we live. We've gone through a lot of anti-Semitism. We lived through it. You talked about it. Your daughters don't experience it the same way. And when we get together, what, what's important? Study. Torah study, Jewish study, study. That's what's important. Because everything else will come and go. But that's what keeps us going. We're already coming up to my next break. My music is playing. We're going to have time for one more quick segment. You're listening to it on Let's Talk Tour. I'm joined by Sam Rosenberg. And we're going to be right back.
2: Welcome back to Pop That Culture. That's the horror movie. Bury <laughs> yeah. the phone in the fat cemetery. It's got a cord.
0: <laughs> what is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to the drop-in today. Then you get off your couch and you make life happen.
1: Hello folks, welcome to the Greg Russell Movie Show. When I
2: have a couple cocktails, everything's funnier.
0: <laughs> I still just yeah. love that line. Yeah. Producer, director. How did this whole thing come about for you?
1: At times we
0: see a guy running down to first base and it turns into him a hobble, get yeah. Umped. I mean, that's the, getting bombed. <laughs> that, that, that can't be the same guy. Can't be the same guy. Gerald Valley and I want to invite you to listen, watch, share my new show, The Drop-In. It is going to cover skate, music, culture, actually all sports. I have some great guests lined up and it's to inspire and motivate people to make the most of this life we have. Check out the inspiration, the stoke, and the life of The Drop-In with Gerald Valley.
1: And we're back. And, you know, I, I didn't give, Sam, you know, I did a lot of talking last time. I didn't give you a chance to comment. But again, um, just that concept that with horrific things happening, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, denying that we don't want somebody coming in and shooting, somebody coming in and stabbing. And all our, t- all our schools here in town and all the different Jewish organizations, they, there's security and there's security guards. And they're armed, by the way. Mm -hmm. and they put in uh, these cameras that now connect to the police stations video you push it the police is there there's all kinds of stuff unfortunately we have to do but but again what i found so fascinating uh, in that article that they that they noticed and i myself didn't notice that here we are we're having a big gathering and what's important and by this gathering not to not to say it's it's not important there's such a concept as anti-semitism but that's not our focus and I did not give you a chance to comment so now Sam you could comment
2: huh I thought I commented you but, did. but it was in the break so uh, it was it didn't like com- break see no, so the comment is whether we do it because we want to focus on what is important which is whether it's observance and studying Torah or whether it be it uh, just respecting life uh, if we make sense of make acts of negativity sensational we're letting the bad guys win so we have to acknowledge that anti-semitism exists certainly but how do we find a balance of not blowing it out of proportions and and truly letting these idiots very negative people win even outside the actions that they commit so that was it. How do you find the appropriate balance between acknowledging and not overblowing it out, blowing it out of proportions type of thing.
1: Okay, that, that was the comment. cool. So one of the things we do each week is they have my letter of the week. So I think they heard me about my letter of the week. I just didn't see a thumb, but someone's back there. There's my thumb. So right behind me, which you can't see, but when you look at the screen later, you'll see it, <laughs> um, is my letter of the week. So we are up to the eighth letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And that letter is the letter Ches it almost looks like a um, if you were going to draw a house and you drew like the three lines, the two walls, and the flat roof, there you have the letter ches, which obviously is um, not for you because in the Russian alphabet, the cha sound is one of the sounds, so therefore you know how to pronounce that letter, no problem. But in America, the cha sound is really not part of the alphabet. All
2: right, CH, C-H or... is usually a cha, so right. they,
1: it's one of those pronunciations that they have great difficulty with. But um, but any of my Russian friends, that's like the easiest thing because it's a, a – is it a, a letter?
2: Lot of, it's a letter and a lot of negative words are starting with it. Oh, so, okay, We won't go there. So in my word of the week, we will not ask for
1: any of those Russian words. Thank you very much. I did not know that. New things. And I got a chuckle. Very good. Um, but my word this week, I figured we'd pick an easy word. And my word is chayim. Everybody knows chayim. Chayim, l'chayim, right? Chayim means Life. life. So so I, I thought just all the things we're talking about, we're, we, we want to live, right? We're looking to live. We're looking, but we're not just looking to live, to breathe in the air, right? First of all, from your wife's pictures, we want to live, we want to see beauty. We want to live beauty. All that we talked about with your, with your family, with your daughters, we, 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 we want to know we're Jewish, but knowing is just a piece of information in the back of my mind. But if I can live... Jewish, again, whatever whatever that means for each person, that changes who we are and what we are, right? Like, you, I think you even mentioned to me that, it, that it's now become important, if I get this wrong, you, don't, just, you can tell me right away, but, it, it's, but what your daughter's been going through school, it's now become important that they actually marry somebody Jewish, or at least the concept of marrying somebody Jewish so they will live Jewish. Did I get that right? Similar. It's close. Just, close enough i accept being close so as my time is ticking i always like to tell a story at the at the end and i should have some time for you to comment before we we're done but um i always look when there's these humongous events and all these and and you have all these jews there's ninety thousand jews and they're in a football stadium and and uh, and so i know from seven and a half years ago when they did it there were all kinds of great stories Uh, that happened afterwards, that that non-Jews commented about the Jews, but nice comments. So I knew there'd be a story. It's like almost impossible that there won't be a story. Sure enough, there's a story. And I actually heard the story from two different sources, so it seems to be pretty good. So there's a rabbi who lives in Toms River. It's in New Jersey, and he was driving, I think, to Brooklyn to give a lecture. And he was late, and therefore he was not obeying the speed limit, and he was weaving in and out of traffic. So, of course, he gets pulled over. So, cab comes over, rolls down the window and he gives a look and he says this police officer says to the rabbi sitting in the car, "Did you do your page today?" So the rabbi looks at him and says, "What? What did you say?" I said, "Did you do your page?" I was on security at MetLife Stadium last <laughs> week. And they're talking about how every day you do your page, and it's important that every day you do your page, and I would like to know if you did your page yet. So the rabbi's now a little embarrassed because he actually hadn't done his page yet. See, I do my page like at 6.30 in the morning. For me, that works great. For some people, 10 o'clock at night works. So the rabbi says, "Uh, you know, I actually did not do my page yet. I'm a little embarrassed. So this police officer says, "Uh, well, I tell you what, if you promise me that you'll do your page, I won't write you a ticket. Right? I need you to commit that you're going to finish your page today. So the rabbi says, okay, like, why? Like, wh- 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 why, why? I mean, I, I appreciate you not giving me a ticket. That's very beautiful, very kind, very thoughtful of you. But why, why do you care? He says, look, you know, I know how to party. I know what a party means. I know what I do when I party. My friends, we talk about it, what we do when we party. And for you people... What was important to you? What what did you party about? You partied. I'll just take this full circle from the beginning of our conversation today. You partied about study. You all got together to celebrate how important study was. And that blew us away. And I appreciate such a concept. So as long as you commit that you're going to continue studying, he's talking to a rabbi, you understand, right? So as long as you commit, no ticket. So I thought that was just like a fantastic Story. So you have about 30 seconds if you'd like to comment on that story.
2: As you were telling the story, it reminds me of a little scene out of Schindler's List where Oscar Schindler was telling, the, I forgot the character's name, the, okay. the accountant right. during the P- Pesach. He says, go celebrate Pesach. And, and he says, why do you care? You're German because it's important to you. And if it's important to you, and if this is what this is all about is uh, Holocaust because of Jews, who they are. And if I'm going to make a difference, I need to make sure that you are who you are type of thing. And this is what I think the police officer is doing. I think so.
1: I think so. And I don't even know if you saw Schindler's List. That was a part of the story.
2: It was not. No, no. But this is, as you were telling me the story, I said there was another story like this Schindler's right. List. Right,
1: cool. Sam, I so appreciate you came in. We had such a good time. We learned so much. It was really a great conversation. And you know we're going to do this again. But, and anyway, but now i got to say goodbye. So thank you to our wonderful sponsor and listeners. You know, I couldn't do it without you. Thank you to my wonderful production team, Kelsey, Angel, Cole. Kelsey, not Cole. Cole's not here today. Kelsey, Angel, and Steven. Say I read the wrong name. I hope I left you some food for thought. Until next week, I am Rabbi Tzwi Jacobson. You've been listening to NRM Streamcast. And until next week, don't forget to think about it.